Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. All right, if this is your first time, my name is Stephen Johnson, and uh, I serve as one of the pastors here at Restoration Church. Um, And I'm super, really excited to be here with you, worshiping Jesus. And I want to say, you are a worshiping church. There's no doubt about it, you are a worshiping church. So it was a pleasure worshiping with you this morning. If you know, we are one church that meets in different campuses. So I want to welcome, I want to take this time to welcome all of our online viewers and everyone who's watching us from Milton, Plymouth, and Bethlehem. We love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Church, come on. Let's celebrate that. Hey, today, this morning, I wanted to focus our attention to this topic called shift in your attitude. Shift in your attitude. If you have your Bibles or your smartphones, go with me to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16, verses 15 to 17. If you don't have a Bible, we would love for uh, us to give it to you after service. So if you want to go to the Welcome Center in the lobby, we'll be happy to hand you a physical copy of the Bible. But if you have an app, that's fine. Just go to Judges chapter 16, verses 15 to 17. If you can put the verses here. It reads like this, Then Delilah pouted, How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You have made fun of me three times now, and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secrets with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were to shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Verse number 20. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. I want to focus on this area. But he, who? Samson. But Samson realized the Lord had left him. Church, I stand before you today to talk about the subject called the power of an attitude shift. The power of an attitude shift. If you grew up in church, if you've been attending church for a while, You must have known or you're familiar with the story of Samson. But if you're not, I want to give you a backstory of what is happening. Israelites were uh, rebelling against God. 
and they were put under the oppressive rule of Philistines. And God, in his mercy, decided he wanted to raise a man named Samson to start delivering his people from this oppressive rule. But there was a condition that Samson had to go through, and that was this. He was to live under a Nazarite law or a Nazarite vow. And you might ask what this Nazarite vow is. I want to read this. Nazarite vow is a way for ordinary people to dedicate themselves to the service of God. Like a normal person like me, if I wanted to do God's work and God's kingdom and move forward God's plans, I had to go under the Nazarite vow. And especially Samson, especially for Samson, he had to stick with these three Nazarite vows. Number one, he was not to get drunk. Number two, he was not to touch anything dead. And number three, he was to let his hair grow. I wish I could, I could grow my hair, but I can't. I tried a couple of times, but I failed. Uh, that, terrible story, terrible story. But I, I thank the Lord that uh, many men can nowadays, so it's, it's, it's good, but I can't. But those, were, those three were the Nazarite vows that Samson had to, had to fulfill in his life. But we, we know about the story of Samson. We know how he ended up in his life. We know how he messed up. We know how he couldn't stick to those vows that he, he said that he would dedicate it to God. And I believe even us here sitting this morning, we have said or we have told God many times that God, I will do this for you. God, I will do this. I will dedicate my, this portion of my life to you or Maybe it might be finances, maybe it might be your marriage, maybe it might be something else in your life that you really wanted to dedicate to God and yet failed, just like Samson. Just like Samson. But I'm here to tell you that God is a God of second chances. Amen. God is a God of second chances. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter that you failed one time. It does not matter if you fail twice. He is still the God who rules over your life. We see that story in Samson's life. Yes, he did not stick to those vows. He did not stick to it. But God was still faithful in his life to bring him through every journey, every path that he was going through. Maybe you're sitting here, maybe you're watching me online in other campuses. Maybe you're sitting here right here today, this morning, messed up. Or maybe you're thinking, why am I in this earth living a life? I want to tell you, God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for you. Just as 
he had for Samson, he has a purpose for you. But Samson forgot that he had to shift some attitudes in his life that he messed up. And that's what I want to focus today. A shift in the attitude. Samson was blessed with a humongous amount of strength. He was blessed with that. The Spirit of God, if you read Judges, it says the Spirit of God was upon Samson. He had immense power. God blessed him with it. But he couldn't take care of it in the wise way. And one of the things we see here is he was a great man. He was a strong man, but he had a weak attitude. Weak attitude. And we are going to look through how can a strong man or strong people be weak? How can a strong people be weak? Number one, lust. Number one thing that a strong man can be weak is lust. Is lust. Let's read the story again. Judges chapter 14 verses 1 and 2. It reads like this. One day when Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistines women caught his eyes. When he returned home, he told his father and mother, a young Philistine woman in Timnah caught my eye. I want to marry her. Get her for me. Get her for me. Pretty much he was saying, hey, you know what? I was walking through the streets and I saw this beautiful young lady. And I want her. I want her. I don't care what you think about it. I don't care what your say is. She caught my attention. And I don't want to make you raise your hands today, but how many of us can testify that some, it's not, it might be not a woman, it might be something else that caught your attention. That when God says no, something else stirs up within us to say yes and go in a path that God does not want us. Lust. Lust. Samson had an attitude with lust. Yeah, he was dedicated to God. Yes, he did. There was no question about it. His parents dedicated him for the ministry and for God's work. But within him, there was an attitude shift that had to happen that failed. He knew God was there in his life. He knew it. He experienced it. He knew he had immense amount of power. But he had issues with lust. He's, he just saw her. He just saw this woman and said, I want her. I want her. Church, I want to say this. Whenever we take our eyes from Jesus, whenever we take our focus from Jesus, 
It doesn't, it does not matter whether it's your family, it does not matter whether it's your work, whether it's your, whether it's your kids, if you take your focus from Jesus in any areas of your life, in our lives, we lost it. We lost it. We end up in a place of isolation. Whenever we take our focus from Jesus, whenever see, whenever we say no to Jesus and yes to the world and focus on everything that the world has offered, we end up in a place called isolation. Isolation. It's a deadly place to be in. You, we don't want to end up in isolation. Samson, his lust, his attitude about lust, his attitude about women, made him to go to a place called isolation. Instead of focusing on what God has for him, instead of focusing on what God had for him in his life, he was driven with emotion. He was driven with emotion. And how many of you, we can testify that sometimes we too are driven with emotion, right? We too, when we, yeah, we feel bad about it, but we still do it. Yeah, we feel bad about talking about them, but we still do it. Yeah, we feel bad about going to that place, but we still do it. Yeah, we feel bad about doing those things in marriage, but we still do it. Because we are driven by emotion. Let me tell you this church, emotion will take you to a place of isolation. Emotion, your emotion will take you to a place of isolation, but God's way is a way to your promised land. Hear me out. If you're driven with full of emotion every single day and forget that there's a call, there's a purpose, and there is a lot of potential that God has given each one of you, you end up in a place of isolation. Emotions will lead you to isolation, but God will lead you to a promised land. Whether, whether it will take time, that's up to God. But He is faithful to walk you through your purpose to reach your promised land. And I know, I know this. Every single one here has a purpose in life. Has a God-given purpose in, in life. And we want to focus not on the emotions of our, our human nature. It's good to have compassion. It's good to have, it's good to show love. All that is necessary. But if we are driven fully by our emotions of flesh, then just as Samson ended up in that place of isolation, just as we read, he didn't even know that God left his life. What a place to be in. What a terrible place to be that he didn't even know that God left his life. People of God, friends, families, 
teenagers, let's not be driven by lust. Let's not be driven by emotions, but ask God to be in our lives every single moment. I want to read this. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21. 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, pleasures, adultery, sockery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. It goes on and on. And last, it says this. But let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not inherit the kingdom of God. And God does not want that for us. God does not want anyone to perish, but have an eternal life. And we want to we want to make sure we are at the right place. We want to make sure that we position ourselves. We position ourselves to receive that from God. If we don't, if we don't have that shift in our attitude about sin, we end up in a place where we don't inherit the kingdom of God. Here Paul is writing, right? Paul is writing. Stop living a life. Stop living that, that life. Stop having a double face. In church, you're lifting hands and praising, but in secret, you have a secret life that nobody knows. I want to bring this up. You can only live that, that way for a short amount of time. God will bring it to life. God will bring it to light. And I pray that we always ask God, put God first, and ask what He has for us every single time. Second thing I want to talk about. Second thing, second attitude that makes strong people weak, pride. Pride. Same as lust, pride is a terrible thing to have. Terrible thing to have. Here, Judges chapter 14, verse 10, it's re it reads like this. Has Samson's father was making final arrangements for the marriage. Samson threw a party at Timnah, as was the custom of elite young men. Pretty much if you study about this, this party... If you study about that party, he pretty much threw himself a cocktail party. It was all drinks. It was having a life of his time. Like, all right, let's party hard. You know, he was going after it. And one of the things he broke was his covenant with God. Because his, one of his vows that he had to stick was do not get drunk. And he through a party. He threw a party for the people. Pride. He thought he could handle it. Man, how many times we think that we can handle everything. Especially men in the house. 
can testify. Sometimes I'm that way. I feel like, wow, I feel like Samson sometimes. I'm like, whoop, superpower. I think I can, I got this. I got this. And I tell my wife, I got this, honey. I got this. And I fail. I fail because sometimes our pride gets in the way. In our calling, sometimes we think, I got this. Samson thought he got this because he was strong. He thought one glass of drink was okay. He, he got it. He could handle it. But after two, three, four, five, six, he started to see himself like go astray. And I'm here to tell you, you might think you got this. You might think you can handle it. You might think you can handle without God. You might think you got this without God. But I'm, I want to say this. Whatever act that you, you participate in, it will have your life if you don't give it up. We humans, we think we got it. We got it all. We are more than overcomers, right? <laughs> Through Christ, we are more than overcomers and yet sin, yet have lust, yet talk about people and their back, yet be addicted to pornography, yet you talk about your spouses to other people. I can handle it. Just because uh, I said I can't do it. Break the covenant of marriage and just separate it. I got it. I, I can handle this. I work so many jobs. I, I make more than, my more than you. So you need to be under my rule. Under my ship. Ownership. I got this. I can handle it. Pride, pride will say this. Pride in our life will say, I got this, I can handle it. But God in the other hand will say, hey, leave it up to me. I got this. Pride will say this to you that you don't need God to overcome that. Pride will say, hey, you don't need God to, God to fulfill all this in your life. Pride will say, hey, you got this, man. You're working your job. You're, you're doing all this for your family. You're working day and night. You're doing extra shifts. You got this, man. You don't need God. You don't need to uh, give your tithes and kingdom builders to, to a church. You don't need this. You got this. This is what pride will say. Hey, you don't need anything to do with God. You don't need it. Samson had the same issue. Samson said, hey, I, I think I got this. I'm going to throw a party. I can handle this. But where did he end up? In a place of isolation. Place of isolation. Me and my wife, we love we love to go to some food places. We love food. 
We love food. We love to go. Uh, yeah, we love to explore food. And not just like one culture, but different culture. And so we travel. We travel around. We search for places that we have not eaten. And then we travel and eat food. Why we do this is we want to taste whether it's good or bad. You know, we want to know whether that food was good. And we love it. Even after church, we are going somewhere. We're going somewhere to eat. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited. But one of the things we love to do is taste and see if that is good for us. If it is, we go back. We go back. But I want to tell this, sin is not something you can, you want to taste and see whether it's good or not. Sin is not something that you can play around with. Sin is not something that you can say, hey, I'm going to see, uh, I'm going to see if I can uh, watch pornography and be faithful to my wife. Sin is not something like, oh, I'm going, to, I'm going to destroy my kid's life. I'm going to be mean to my kids and yet be here and say, holy, holy, you are almighty God. Church, let's put a period to the enemy's tactics. Let's put a pause and say, enough is enough. Enough is enough where enemy is trying to creep into families' lives, churches' lives. Enough is enough, church, where we as a church, we stand boldly and say, enough is enough. We take ground today. I've seen many families destroyed. I've seen many kids' life destroyed. I see many people Double-faced, living a life that is a standard of the world. God did not call us to that. God called us to be faithful in the promises and the purpose that God has for us. Enough is enough. Sometimes we need to hear these words in our hearts where it's a wake-up call for some people. Yes, God is a God of second chances. Yes, He is a God who forgives, He who forgets, who forgives and washes all us clean. But it is our responsibility to walk in the freedom He has already given us. All right, we, we don't, it's not because of our good deeds. It's not because of how, how, how good or bad the church is or, or anything. You cannot blame for the church you cannot blame the pastors. You gotta walk your walk as everyone is walking their walk. If I screw up, I cannot blame the church for it. I, I gotta blame myself for it. I cannot blame my wife for it. She didn't do anything. We need to, we need to take off our pride and say, God, I need you. I need you in every path of my life, in every area of my life, in every sinful nature. I need you, God. 
Enough is enough where we play around with sin. Enough is enough where we try to taste and see whether this sinful nature is good or for us. Enough, church. Enough, people of God. Enough. Because God is a just God. We will face consequences we, if we play around. As I said, I love I love food, I taste, and I, I, I like that process of it. But I, what I don't want to end up is doing the same thing, searching places, going around, searching for places to see if that sin is good for me, if that sin will fit my lifestyle or not. Sin is not something that we partner with. Sin is not something that we partner with. God called us to partner with Him. God called us to partner with Him. You know, even the strongest people with pride can be put down just as Samson. We might think we got it all, but God will bring us down. If we have that so much pride in us that we acknowledge that God is not enough, God will bring us down. But how many of you know God is a faithful God? He works everything in reverse. When, when, when the world say, hey, I'm going to, when the enemy says, hey, I'm going to make every strong man weak, God on the other hand says, hey, I see that weak man. I see that weak woman. I'm going to make them strong. I'm going to make them strong. You know, we see in the Bible where David was a shepherd boy and he made him king. He chose a shepherd boy to kill Goliath. We see Jesus changing the lives of a fisherman and, and making them into a great evangelist. He searches for a weak person to make them strong. He searched for me years Years ago, he searched for me when I was in the weakest form to bring me to a place where he honors our lives. And I'm going to talk through these. How did these men like David and the disciples, how could they be strong in their attitudes? How can weak people, how can God change the weak people to be strong? Number one, acknowledging that God is there. Acknowledging the desires for God. We need to say, God, I need you. In every areas of our lives, I need you, God. Without you, my life will be bad. Without you, my life will be miserable. Without you in my life, I cannot even take a step. I acknowledge you that you are our savior. I acknowledge you in my path Church, when we forget to acknowledge Him, 
when we forget to know that God is there. It's not only like thinking God is there, but putting that thought in your heart and living it out. Not only the thought is good enough to live a faithful life. No, we need to capture that thought. Hey, I, God, I acknowledge you. And put that thought in your heart. And say, God, I'm going to drive. This is my driving force. That any storms that may come, any hindrances that may come, any hardships that may come in my life, that God, I will acknowledge you that you are in those things with me. You are my driving force that I go through. Acknowledging that God is there. Second thing I want to talk through, attitudes that make weak people strong, recognizing my inability to manage anything without God. Recognizing my inability to manage anything without God. Let's be honest, right, guys? Let's be honest. We need to practically live this out. We need to practically live this out. Recognizing, God, without your strength, without your presence in my life, without you leading me, I am nothing. In my pride, in my own lifestyle, I will fail you, God. I will be a huge failure. But I know if I put you in my first place, my first priority, that my life is going to be a success. Confessing through your mouth, God, I need you. I cannot do anything. I cannot do anything without your presence in my life. Knowing that there's a promise that lays there. Bible says, I'll never forsake you nor leave you. That is a promise for every believer. Every believer that he will never forsake us. Here's the good news, church. Here's the good news. If this is your first time, if this is your first time hearing about Jesus, or maybe you have, you've been attending it at Restoration or other churches, God wants to have a hold in your life. God really wants to have a hold in your life. Every teenager here, God loves you. God loves you. God wants you. God has a plan for every single one of you here. And I want to do this, if that's all right. If, if every eyes be closed, if you can close your eyes for a second. At every campuses, if you could close your eyes for a second. 
If you say, Pastor, I've never given my life to Christ. I've never, I've been living in this sinful nature. I've been living in this sin. Big or small, it doesn't matter. I've been living in this place of isolation. It can be whatever isolation that may look like. Addiction. Unfaithfulness. Whatever that may look like for you. I've been in that place. And, and today, I want to get out of it. I want to get out of those things. I want to be faithful in my commitment with you. If that's you, with every eyes closed in every campuses, would you lift up your hands? Would you please lift up your hands? There's a lot of hands raised in this auditorium. You can put your hands down. And if this is you again, Pastor Stephen, I've never accepted Jesus as my personal savior. But today, as you are preaching, I want to know more about this Jesus. And I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you slip your hands up for me, please? If that's you. Awesome. Awesome. Many hands raised. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray with you, church. Would you, would you stand to your feet? Let's pray for the people that are giving their life to the Christ for the very first time. What a celebration. Come on, church. Come on. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are a God who forgives. We thank you that every person who has committed to follow you, God, follow your path and your purpose for their lives. I pray that you honor their decisions. I pray every hands raised, giving their lives to Jesus. I pray, God, that every temptation that comes their way, that you, you take it off from their lives. God, you honor that decision, God. I pray that you speak to them. Let from today be a brand new day. For them walking with you, exploring who you are, and committing to the call and the purpose that you have for them. I pray that you continue to minister to every single one in this place, God. In every campus is watching, and everyone who's watching us online. I pray, Father, that you continue to minister with us. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Let's continue worshiping Jesus.